beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves, and the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. In my book about friendship called The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs, I write about my freshman college roommate and my longtime LA roommate, Lindsay Lawler. In the book and in my life, Lindsay occupies the seat on my life council that I call the soul sister. And in this conversation, you're going to see why. We've been connected spiritually and logistically, and our lives have been intertwined since we were 18 years old. Lindsay and I had this conversation that you're about to hear as part of my Secret Tapes podcast series. That's a group of episodes that I made with my real-life friends that I write about in the Life Council. The Secret Tapes interviews, they were created as a book pre-order bonus But I've been releasing some of the excerpts of these conversations here on the show because they're just so good. You might have already heard episode 164 with my mastermind business besties. You might have heard episode 176 with my mentor, Cindy, which brings me to today, a conversation with Lindsay, my soul sister. You might also recognize Lindsay from her appearance here in the first year of the show talking about being a mother through adoption. That was episode 28 several years ago. It was such a tender conversation about parenthood. But the big reason I wanted to share this Secret Tapes conversation with Lindsay with you today is that Lindsay is a singer and a songwriter based in Nashville, and her latest album comes out this week. It is called Peaches Holyoke, and the first single is aptly titled Trying to Get Back to Texas, and that single is available on all streaming platforms now. This is Lindsay's first full-length album in eight years. It features 13 tracks, and you might also hear that new single, Trying to Get Back to Texas, spinning on Outlaw Country on Sirius XM Channel 62. I love Lindsay. I love her music. And after listening to this excerpt of our Secret Tapes conversation about our deep friendship of over 25 years, I think you will love her too and want to listen to all of her music. 
These are The Secret Tapes, a series of conversations with the people I write about in my new book, The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. Besides my family, there is only one person on the planet that I have lived with for years. Shared an address, shared a bathroom, shared a fridge, shared a life. And that is my soul sister, Lindsay Waller. Lindsay and I were set up by family friends to be freshman college roommates when we were 18 years old. So our relationship started in one teeny tiny room in one of the most formative seasons of our lives. Against the odds, in my opinion, not in hers, we became the best of friends and we stayed that way throughout all of college. And then after college, I moved to Los Angeles And a year later, so did she. We lived together as we navigated finding ourselves in our 20s, and we were living together when we each started dating the men who would become our husbands. In this episode, you're going to hear two people who know each other so well. We can tell when something's off by just a single word or expression. And we can also make each other cry laugh with just a single word or expression. In this conversation, Lindsay and I talk about our time living together, obviously. We talk about the marriage pact that we made together, and we talk about who we're becoming now as individuals and as friends. Lindsay Lawler is a singer in Nashville. She also has her own show on SiriusXM. She's a mom and a wife and a daughter and a sister and a friend. She's one of the two soul sisters that I write about in the Life Council, And I know that you're going to love hearing from her here. Ruby! (laughs) Ruby, 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 Ruby. Okay, you. Okay, what's funny about you starting with that is that's how we actually greet one another on the phone all the time is that we sing Ruby, Ruby to one another in the theme song of our college. (laughs) Which is Boomer Sooner. It's an unusual way to, I don't greet anyone else in any similar fashion. You have that distinction, my friend. It would be weird if you greeted anyone else calling them your roommate from Oklahoma. (laughs) They'd probably be like, well, that's not me. So this is now weird. Well, you weren't my only roommate at Oklahoma, but you were... The best? Oh. <laughs> no. The first, let's say. Yes, that was your first. You were. So let's just start there because I want to talk a little bit about the origin of our friendship and then things that happened in the intervening years before we got to today. So do you remember exactly how we became roommates freshman year in college? We were dorm roommates but we did not know each other. However, we also weren't random. Correct. We were set up by a mutual friend, old family friends from both of our sides. But I can't remember, which I think both of you and I, correct me if I'm wrong, wanted to live with somebody we didn't know, but wanted it to be like, but I know that they're like not a psychopath killer. Like, so we wanted it to be in a circle that we knew was comfortable, but didn't, like we were trying to breach out, right? Yes, which was a valid concern because there were people on our dorm floor that I would not have wanted to be paired with. Fair. Yes. (laughs) You know who you are. (laughs) And let's just get real about it. What was your first impression of me? (laughs) It's funny because I read your book and I loved it. Okay, but stop before you say whatever you're going to say. You're actually, are you the only person in the secret tapes that read it beforehand. Is that Almost, okay? Or would you rather them not know that? No, I want, I don't care that okay. people know that. I think it's interesting from an interview dynamic because you are like this conversation dynamic because you have things you want to say about the book as a whole, whereas I didn't give other people that uh, chance. Actually, that's not true. My master, my, my business besties did read it ahead of time. But I think most of my secret tapes interviews, they were hearing what I wrote about them for the first time when we talked. So that was a different uh, different dynamic. I'm so glad we're not doing that because 
I would have, I would have boohooed. No, but I, in all honesty, I'm really glad because a big point that I wanted to make, and it goes with us, our first meeting, but then even sitting here today is the idea of when you hear how somebody else, especially somebody very close to you, how they see you, it's huge. It was epic for me because I didn't, I didn't realize how wonderful you thought I was. No, I mean, like, what? I mean, I did. Well, I mean, I did. I did. But it's amazing. I mean, I mean it in a, in a beautiful, good way. And we were having dinner actually this week with mutual friends that you know who were here in town. And they were asking about you and the book and everything. And I told them I had read it. And just how, like, I don't know how humbling it was to, to hear it. I think of you the same way as far as our soul sister and our connection goes. But, like, hearing how you see me as a person moving through the world was was a really big deal, especially because I think now at the age of 44, I'm just starting to really see myself. And it's been the biggest part of my work and my journey as, as a just a, an adult, I think. So anyway, that being said, so when you say, how did you see me? And it's funny when you say in the book, there's no reason we should be friends. See, I don't see it that way. It's funny because I see you as a lot more fun than you see yourself. Maybe that's because I force you to be. I don't know. Or you've become that or you thought that. But I never saw it that way liar you I mean I think you're a total jerk and most of the time <laughs> in the corner and I don't know why anyone would want to hang out with you but I never saw it as a challenge no you used to be like in days where there were more parties than there are in our life now like when we were much younger you treated me like the stick in the mud I was at parties <laughs> like I would be like let's go home and you would be like no <laughs> like hold it together. Or I would have to tell you it was time to go home a good hour before we needed to actually go because trying to get out of a party or social event with you is a freaking nightmare. You talk to everyone. You want to hug everyone and tell them how amazing they are. It hasn't changed. <laughs> it's not changed. So when I describe our earliest dynamic, which is actually isn't the way it is now, but our earliest dynamic in college, especially freshman year, like I felt really nerdy and small townish compared to you that was coming from Dallas, like the big city where you had been like a popular cheerleader and performer and all of these things. Like I saw us immediately as not opposites, but just like I felt quieter than you. You're incredibly outgoing. Like you made friends with our pledge class because we ended up sort of accidentally pledging the same sorority. That was never the plan. Like we didn't know each other well enough to have done that on purpose. We both just liked the same yeah. house. So then we're in the same sorority, which bonded us even further. But you immediately knew our entire pledge class. I didn't know our whole pledge class till junior year. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but I saw, here's the thing though. I think, yes, I thought you were a stick in the mud and I thought, <laughs> but not in a, in a way that was, was fun for me because I don't genuinely gravitate to people who are like me, who are similar to me. I like people that are not similar to me because that's more interesting and more of a challenge to poke the bear, I guess a little bit, but, but I liked that about you. I also think that you were the best thing for me from a balance standpoint too, because I grew up pretty, not sheltered, but conservative and I was a good girl and all those things. And if I would have lived with a crazier party girl or something, I could have gone off the rail. I mean, I could have gone one way or the other, I feel like. So I mm. think you were the biggest blessing for me in a lot of ways, but in this respect for just like, you were exactly what I needed. And, and likewise, I think like, I maybe I raised you up and you brought me down a little bit, <laughs> but it's not in a positive way. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I totally I agree with that completely. Also, we're very funny together. <laughs> Just ask us. <laughs> Just keep listening, guys. It's gonna get better. <laughs> so even though I was like on the nerdy side, you know, then and now, but like especially then, we really made each other laugh from the get go. So that's that's huge for me. I didn't even realize how important that was until I was writing this book. And then I felt like every friend that I was like writing about, I would get to describe her and be like, she's hilarious. And then I was like, all of my friends, not every single one of them, but uh, that's a huge thing that my friends have in common is that they make me laugh. Yeah. Which I think is 
something I subconsciously gravitate towards because I need to be lightened up, kind of like you're saying. But the biggest part of that year, I mean, we could do this whole episode on freshman year of college, but we won't. But the biggest part of that year and our friendship that mattered the most to me, it wasn't that we pledged the same sorority. I don't even think that that maybe ended up mattering much in the end because we kind of went different ways in that space a little bit. But in our friendship between just you and me is that from the very beginning, I kind of remember this really clearly. It would have been like the first couple of weeks of school. We were walking from our dorm to like the main part of campus together. I remember it was sunny. We were like on a sidewalk. We were laughing. We were being silly. And you claimed us, you like named us as Lindsay and Laura. And you said something like, I'm Lindsay of Lindsay and Laura. And that was so big for me. That was so huge for me. I remember that moment. It was like a heart moment for me. It's almost like when you're dating someone and they have the first time they call you, you know, the boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, like the first time they give you a title and you're like, like, when I penned you, is it the moment I (laughs) penned you? That's when we got engaged. (laughs) But it's like, it was that same moment for me of like feeling claimed Mm. of like, we are a couple. I mean, you know, we are a two, we are a duo here. And I just was like, for an introverted person on a campus of 30,000 people who was already feeling, I was very intimidated in sorority life by then. Like I was all of these things to sort of be claimed by someone as dynamic as you. It felt like, ah, it like changed how I viewed myself in friendship that year. Cause I felt like, well, it doesn't really matter if I have other friends or not because I'm, I'm Laura of Lindsay and Laura. Yes. Really? I love that. And you know what? I didn't, I didn't think of, cause to me, but I also very wholeheartedly believe more so now than ever, there was no question we were supposed to live together. Like that was divinely ordained, I believe. And so to me, it was just like, oh yeah, okay, this is my person. Let's go. And not that I, that's not like downplaying it and, or take it away from what it was. It, to me, it was more like naturally, like, of course, this is my person, you know, like it was just meant to be. And here we still are still meant to be. So that's pretty awesome. It's funny because when I think of our now 20 plus year friendship, I don't even think about college that much outside of freshman year in our friendship. Obviously, we stayed very good friends for the rest of college, but you graduated early. Because I'm so smart. (laughs) You're so smart. We just went in different, uh, a little bit different social directions in college, even though we stayed very, very close with each other. Of course, I may have a million memories of you in college. But when I just sort of think of the whole of our friendship, I think of the freshman year dorm room living. And then I think of Los Angeles next. And you really found a circle because I don't, and this may sound strange to you, but I don't feel like I had a circle in college. I feel like I had you for sure. And one other person that I can, you know, that was one or two other people that were like my kind of go-tos. But I always felt like as much as you say, I'm the, you know, make friends with everybody. I think that I, it's funny. I had a, a psychic of all things. Don't, don't tell anybody that. That sounds really weird and woo. But say to me, you know, you're actually an extrovert. And I was like, that's not a chance. And she's like, wait, you are, but you force yourself to be this. Or she said, you're actually an introvert. And you force yourself to be this extrovert because you you know that you're the entertainer and that's like your energy or whatever, but it's also depleting. And, and I didn't believe it at first, but then I've leaned into it and I start to listen to a lot of other sort of entertainers and people, how they think that. And, and it kind of changes your perception of yourself. Anyway, that being said, I never felt like I would fit in with a group, a high school. I mean, today, I would say that today, even I, it's like when I'm in a circle of people, I'm very aware that there's something different about me, good or bad. And I think everybody should think that like, cause we all are different. But so that being said, you went on to have, and I, I might've gotten a little jealous about it. Cause you kind of, you fell in with this cool girl circle that I wasn't a part of. And I was one hand was really happy for that for you because it, it was really good for you, I think, both socially and just learning. But it was it was also probably, I'm just thinking about this now, maybe a little hard because I didn't fit in with that circle. Maybe I didn't try. I was also doing, you know, different things and in a band and traveling and doing some different things. But 
but to your point, we always we never lost that foundation. Yeah, I will. Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind, and I am always looking for a new one to download. And I recently ran across Two Dots, and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download, puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over five thousand distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born Sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, dot com, and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. I agree with your assessment of what happened in the later years in college. I felt pretty at home in college. I had multiple circles in our sororities that I felt like I really belonged with. There was a group in our pledge class where I had besties. There was like a a faith group, like a group of real goody girls that I, I loved and, you know, felt a part of there. You know, I had several circles in college that I really felt at home with and felt like I belonged there. And what you're saying about how you did not feel that way especially in those circles, you wouldn't have felt that way. I see that. And then when I moved to LA, moved to LA about a year before you, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And the opposite happened where I suddenly didn't feel at home here at all with people. Now I actually felt spiritually at home in Los Angeles and in California. And I've written about that, like sort of in a big picture way, I felt like this is where I was supposed to be, but in a belonging way, like with actual friendships and stuff. That was a long time coming for me in LA. And so when you moved here a year later, it felt like relief. It felt like, okay, home has come to me (laughs) in this place that I'm calling home. That's what it felt like to me. That's really cool and actually really good to hear because I, well, I was supposed to go with you and you talk about this in the book when, who you did go with, our friend, um, our friend, Megan. And where at the time I was going to go and that's a whole nother story. And then didn't, and came a year later. Um, and at the time felt terrible about that. And we've never really talked about if you hated me that year or not, we talked about it. We've talked about it a little, but thank God I didn't move with you at that time because you literally might not be married and have kids <laughs> to the same husband and, and children right now. Like that's, because of that. And that those are the kind of moments to me that are the most amazing moment makers of life that it's like the sliding doors thing where it's, you know, the two versions of you. So thank God we didn't. But but then it also gave me, like you said, when I got there to know, and I ended up coming with another sorority sister of ours who I lived with. And then we ended up living together again in LA. And that's all such a blur too. But that I hearing you talk about that in the book too, those are some of my 
foggiest yet favorite memories of my life living in that house in the Hollywood Hill, up Hollywood Hills to your point in the book, you say in a place we couldn't afford, but the extra money we had putting it into parties and fun and not saving it. And like just hearing you, hearing you talk about our life in LA, I felt like I was reading a book about someone I wanted to be. And it was, or like about a life I wanted to live. And I'm like, but she's talking about our life. Like it felt like this fun fictional sex in the city ish, not, not a lot of sex, but version. <laughs> and <laughs> well, depending on who you ask. Um, and it was real. So it was really a fun kind of memory lane to super fun to listen to read. Did you disagree with the description? Like you said, it felt like reading fiction. No, no, not at all. I didn't disagree at all. I loved it. It's uh, it's the thing that a thing that I do a lot where I don't realize I don't realize that the life I'm living is the life that I want a lot, if that makes sense. And that was another moment. I'm like, that's exactly what I wanted my LA ex- if I if I could have daydreamed of what I would have wanted the LA experience to be, struggles and all, it was it was what we lived. I mean, it was hard and it but it was so fun and we grew and learned so much and I can't imagine of having done it with anyone else. Might not have made it if I did it with anyone else. You kind of mentioned that in the book too and it was good. It's good just I mean, I I'm I'm guessing you had these moments reading this book where it's just taking in like such a taking in every, really the life that you've lived and like going back. Cause we, you know, it's so I'm really quick to move on from things and then not really take stock and look back and I'm getting better at having gratitude, not only for the now, but for what's come before. And so I, I agree with it all. Totally. It was just, a, it was a fun memory lane. The best part is, do you remember sitting in our kitchen multiple times when we'd have parties? We knew we, we had fun parties. People knew we had fun parties which is weird because we were, especially with, you know, like your husband's and my husband's group of friends, they were the craziest humans that we've ever met in our life to this day. And yet still they'd come to our parties, which is weird, <laughs> like super weird. And, but we would still sit in the kitchen terrified that no one was going to come to this day. I think I'll, I'll play a show and I'm convinced driving to the show. No one's coming to this. I know no one's coming. Even though I've seen ticket sales or whatever, I'm I'm convinced my family's not coming for Christmas. Like I never <laughs> think anyone's coming to my things. I don't know why, what that is. But you and I went through that together too. Well, I think of that season of us living together in the Hollywood Hills in an apartment, actually a townhouse that we could not afford in a beautiful neighborhood. Under the Hollywood sign. Yes. Like it was magical. I feel like I thought it was magical then. I feel yeah. like I was already crafting a narrative of the magic of it then. Yeah. And there's so many stories we could tell from that time. So many, so many, so many. But I kind of want to get to something that I have talked about, unrelated to our friendship, really, but that I have talked about in general, about how we ended up married, not to each other. <laughs> <laughs> our other marriage. Are you okay with talking about that? Yeah, of course. Because I think about this a lot now that... People are like, what's she about to say? I think about this a lot now that I have a daughter and now you have a daughter of the fact that we were in our 20s. We were in these very serious relationships. I was dating Jeff after years of being in love with him when we weren't dating, but, but finally we were dating and you were dating someone that worked with Jeff that you had met through that same circle of people. And you and I both wanted more for our lives. Like this is another thing I think that we have always shared in common is that we wanted big, dramatic story lives. Not everybody wants that. And definitely that's not always a dynamic between friends, but that was always something you and I shared was like, we want this to be anything. We want our party, our, our apartment, our life, our romances. We want everything to be like magical or noteworthy yeah. in some way. And so I like that we shared that because we made, you know, we made that happen over and over again, I feel like together. But in our relationship sense, we both at the same time got to this point of like, all right, we either need to marry these men and like do that part of life, that next chapter of life, or we need to cut bait and do something else. <laughs> and and do the, do the dramatic thing. Like you and I, packed it out that we were like, if it doesn't happen by 
and we had a timeline on it and everything that we were going to do the other dramatic thing, which is both break up and go on and do, you know, like wipe hands and start over, which would also have been dramatic. Not even the fact that one of us was doing, but doing it together and, you know, and, and what would come of that scenario too. Maybe we would have gotten married. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) We made this pact like that was very specific. We had a date, like if he doesn't propose by this time, we're out. By December of whatever year that was, we were both out. Yeah, we had, well, we had two different timelines, actually. Mine was January 1st. Oh, right. Yeah. And yours was earlier. And I don't remember why. I don't remember all the circumstances. I know you had an anniversary, like a dating anniversary in the fall. And I don't remember why we set our timelines. But basically, we had a really specific pact for what we wanted to happen. And I, then and now, I believe us. Like, I believe that we would have changed our whole life. We would have. Mine was mine was by Halloween because that was our first date. So just like, you know, three months before you or something, which is when my guy, Seamus, ended up proposing on that, which you were a part of. You were in on and that's a whole nother story. But and so that was a little awkward, too, because yours hadn't yet. Granted, it came. It came a little bit after. But we I mean, I don't really even remember what the conversation was there when it happened, because I know you were obviously very excited for me, but. That was also that gray window of, and I'm like, wait, so now if Jeff doesn't propose, do I have to break off my engagement? How does that work? <laughs> no, that was not the pact. And I was thrilled that Seamus skated in the night before the deadline. <laughs> Literally, not knowing that there was a deadline. Okay, because I don't want to take too much of a tangent on this. Yeah, yeah. But I will say part of the pact was also that we could not tell the men Part of it was like, we can't tell them. This isn't an ultimatum. They need to either to come do it on their own. They have to do yeah. it on their own. And also we can't bring up like prior to that, you and I had been doing that like silly girl thing where you're like, so is there a ring in my future? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like hinting and being like silly about it. And we were both like, this all stops now. We will no more bring this up ever again. And also we will not give them any ultimatum. This has to happen on their end. And if it doesn't, That's how we know. And we're out. Which we stuck to, both of us. And I I truly believe, and I've talked about this with Jeff too, because so he is okay with me saying this, I think. Uh, I've talked about this fact before. There is an energetic change when we made that pact. There was like an energy change in my relationship for sure, because I felt like it gave me a little bit of my power back. I felt like I had gotten into a situation relationally where I just was so desperate for him to propose that I, I I probably felt like needy or clingy or like, that's not, it's just unattractive. You're not trying to be that way. You just really want it. When we made this pack together, which I think was about in July, I think it was in the summer. Immediately, I feel like my whole energy changed. And he ended up saying later that he felt that I kind of started slowly pulling away a little bit. In again, not in an ultimatum way, but I do think my heart was preparing to break up with him. I was mentally sort of preparing for that's what was going to happen because I was pretty sure he was not going to propose. And when he felt that shift, like, oh, she's actually going to go. Yeah. It forced his hand without an actual ultimatum. I'm bringing up that story not because we win or like whatever. (laughs) Joke's on them. We were psychically tricked them or something, but because you and I talk a lot about, you know, energy and and things like that. And I think that is like the most tangible example that I can give publicly of when something has no, like it really matters. Yeah. Well, it gave probably gave us both just a comfort in ourselves and a calm and a peace. It's like we knew if that wasn't going to be home, we still had each other as a, as, as a (laughs) consolation prize. So it was a safety either way without even recognizing it. So yeah, it's a good reminder of know what you want and then keep to it. Yeah. You know, stand by it and it'll either work out or it'll work out better. It's like my prayer. I I always do it. I pray it's this or something better. And that's, I think what that scenario was like, I want this to happen, but if that's not what it's supposed to be, then, okay, let this end and I'll, I'll go on to the next better. And I'm glad that it was our guys. Wait, that is a beautiful prayer. This or something better. Isn't that nice? Did you make that up? 
I'm going to say yes, but probably not. <laughs> yes. For all of you listening that think I am your guru now, that is my words. No, I'm sure lots of people say that. I'm sure I heard it somewhere, but I love it. It's a good, good reminder that so we don't like hold so tight to what we think is supposed to happen because, I mean, I can say that obviously my, my daughter who's adopted and I couldn't get pregnant, I, you know, I just had to keep tight in that, that this or something better. So um, that's when I really had really started leaning into that prayer. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, Dot com and use code U, Y-O-U. So we both got engaged as we wanted and we both got married in the same year, 2007. Yes. And let's just go ahead and skip right to your wedding, which I have to tell you, I hope I don't cry. I should have brought tissues. I have to tell you that your wedding, which is a whole, which is one whole story, <laughs> but actually the night before your wedding, your rehearsal dinner and, you know, those sort of parties that people have the night before their wedding. I am going to cry. Sorry. <laughs> Was like one of the hardest days of my whole life. Because. Yeah, why? Because y'all were getting married and this had all happened in the last like two months before your wedding, which was in June. And you were immediately like the day after your wedding moving from Los Angeles, where we had been together for years at that point, you and I had been together in Los Angeles for years. You were my Los Angeles experience. And y'all were moving immediately after your wedding to Nashville. And I was devastated. Mm, I never, you never told me that. I mean, I know, obviously, that it's not like you're saying something groundbreaking, but it's funny. I didn't even think about it in the time. What? I mean, I was swept up in my wedding. I was, I, I had that. <laughs> so. Do you not even a little bit remember that I fell all the way apart? Like, in, inappropriately, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And here's what's you know, you say in your book. I'm so glad you said in your book, I feel bad that I didn't speak at the rehearsal dinner because you didn't. And the, what I was, what I was most excited about at my wedding, and this may sound egotistical, but I don't mean it in that way, was, it's what I started out our whole conversation saying, when you hear how other people see you, so, and in this scenario, us maybe as a couple, Seamus and I, I was so excited about rehearsal dinner speeches. I was so looking forward to it, because I love giving them. Shocking that I'm like, somebody else's wedding, when do I get to talk? <laughs> but I love giving them, because I love doting on people in, in the same reverse way. And, um, Nobody, none of my friends talked at it for whatever reason. My sister was the only one that spoke at our rehearsal dinner. And I, even Seamus and I were like, what was that about? We could never figure it out. Maybe everyone was just so overwhelmed with their love. No, but I never figured out. And yes, you more than made up for it in your, in your book about me. I knew why. I mean, we had a, a really nice moment and I, I understood why. But and I guess I should also, you know, say that I, I apologize to you because I really, what I mean, we literally on a Tuesday decided we were leaving Nashville, moved on a Friday, like home back to, came back to Dallas rather not move, but back to Dallas, had the wedding and then showed up in Nashville. 
And that's how I do a lot of life because I, I have to move on quick or else, I mean, you've already mentioned how long it takes, takes me to say goodbye at a party. Imagine if I'm saying goodbye to a whole life and a sister like you. So I think that's, and I'm just realizing that now, but I think that's what it was. I was like, all right, if I'm leaving LA, I got to go and I'm going to get married and then I'm going to show up in Nashville. I'm like, okay, on to my next life. That's how I maneuver through the world a lot. And I didn't probably give you enough. I don't, you know, take that into account enough that, I mean, I had people in LA being like, Hey, do you want to grab a drink? I'm like, Oh, I don't live there anymore. So like I literally peaced out. So I probably should have understood that a little more that, it was a big deal. I was I was leaving a lot behind. Me behind. You were leaving me behind. Yeah, I know you. You are the a lot. Well, it was awful. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, I got married later in the year. You moved to Nashville. Broke your heart. Apologies. Are we good? <laughs> I forgive you for not speaking at my rehearsal dinner. If you forgive me for not caring about your feelings at the time. Done. And then our friendship continued and all of that, of course, of course, of course. We sing roomy to each other on the phone, you know, every time. But since you have had the chance to read the book entirely, knowing that you are on my life council, on my metaphorical life council, do you feel like you were placed in the right spot? Now that you've read all the life council members, were you like, I don't know, maybe I'm actually a old friend or, you know, something like that, where that you could have, that you could have fit also. But do you feel like, I slotted you in the right place. I feel like I have, have been behooved such the greatest honor. I mean, not to take away from any of the others. I feel like I could have seen myself in each spot. I mean, I, I, I would have known, of course, I didn't know the term, the friend life council until you've written this book. And I love it. I think it's, I think it's great. I'm going to tell you a thought I have on a second that really just woke me up, but I'm honored to hold the soul sister title I think the soul sister title from reading your book, I kind of could have seen my, I played a part of each of those in your life at some point, a little bit mm -hmm. um, outside of maybe the, the business bestie. But I think one day you and I will do some, we, we are always a brainstorming, so we'll find ways to do stuff together. But um, I like having a title for you now too, because I see you the same way. And just, you know, as opposed to being Laura's my best friend, I'm like, Oh, I love, I love having that sort of, you know, I don't love to put titles on things normally, but for that one, I, I think it's great because it's, first of all, putting the word soul on it means that this will go on for lifetimes and, and that it's, there's so much bigger. So that things like that, like moving away and being in different places in our life. And it's like, you're my soap opera, you know, you can not watch Young and the Restless, which was my soap opera for 10 years and turn it back on. And you're like, I know exactly what is happening right now. <laughs> That's what I feel like with you. So I love that title. Yes, it made a lot of sense. And just in general, reading this, again, the couple that we were having dinner with a couple nights ago, I was talking about your book and how I was excited for them to read it. And the the girl there at dinner, she was like, I, I think I have one friend. And everyone at the table started saying, I don't have, they're like 10 friends. I can't even come up with it. And I was like, I do. And I know that because while I was reading your book, I started making, I had my laptop with me because I was taking notes and I started making my list. And your book got me out of this like, woe is me friendship funk I've been in because I was thinking, I've been thinking lately, I have no friends in this season. And I know I do, but like a closeness. I, I had, I've been telling myself this weird narrative because I don't have a yes friend or an everyday friend right now, you know, the everyday friend. And, but that's just, the season I'm in, you know, it's not, I still have all those things. I just can't properly utilize them right now. Mm -hmm. But what I have like tenfold are those friends that, you know, I can call when it's the fan or when I need advice or when I'm like, I am in a low, low place. Like you reference in your book, there was a time where you were dark and Jeff said, should we call Lindsay? And on the flip side, that's happened with my husband calling you. And this book is so good. I'm so excited for people to read it and for people that feel alone to realize they're actually really not like we can, even if you can find one of these people on the list, I think, and then know that the others either have been there or they are coming mm -hmm. and you kind of allude to that. It's like, don't freak out if you don't have the soul sister on your list yet, she's coming or maybe you don't realize she's there or either way, you know? So that was really powerful for me when reading this. Did you know that, 
your husband had called me in the past to be like, I think you need to come. I did. Are you referencing when my mom was sick? Mm-hmm. I found out later that that time was such a blur. I didn't shock me at. I mean, he told me at some point he's like, Lara's on on the or Lara's coming. She's going to get on a plane if we need her to, whatever. And that was. I do remember standing outside of the hospital, and I can't remember if I was talking to you or Seamus. It was one of the two. It was either Seamus saying, "You're ready to hop on a plane if I need it," or you telling me. I'll be there if I need it. And I will never forget standing. There was this balloon tied to a stop sign outside of the hospital, a balloon with a smiley face when I was standing. And I turned and looked at it right when I heard Laura will come. And I just felt like I remembered so much thinking I'm not alone. This is, and it was, I'll never forget that. And that's how I feel about our friendship, a stop sign with a smiley face that I'm not alone. <laughs> to you being the stop sign, me being the smiley face. <laughs> And yeah, it was really comforting. Yeah, I was, you know, I've known your husband for a long time. I've known your husband almost as long as I've known my own husband. And when he called and, you know, we were just sort of talking like, how is Lindsay or whatever. And I can't remember if I said, do I need to come? And he was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or if he said, could you come? I don't remember how the conversation went exactly, but I do remember that after. I really felt like we had entered a new phase of life, not just our friendship, because I think that logistically that had has been true for decades that like if we needed to get on a plane, we would. I think we both already knew that. But sure. here we were in like an actual, oh, like that, this is not theoretical. This is like real. Like we have to drop everything and like buy a plane ticket. And also parents get ill and it's hard. And I felt like we had entered a new chapter, even though actually didn't end up needing to come. Your mom recovered. Thank you, Lord. But it does feel like a delineation to me that I was like, oh, we're in a new era of I will get on a plane. And then actually not long after that, I did have a friend um, lose a parent and I got on a plane, you know, the next day. So I just felt like, oh, we're in our forties now or whatever. I don't even remember what year that was, but it, it felt like a Adult friendship. Yes. This is what adult friendship means. It's different. Well, and it also, you know, what's interesting about it is that it also ties to the idea of my husband is not my best friend that you talk about. And you talked about it with Jeff recently on the podcast, which I loved listening to that because it's like, I'm going to listen to this because I know it's going to be Laura talking and laughing and Jeff being like, you're ridiculous, which is exactly what it was. And I loved it. But it, it ties into that, like, you talking about my husband is not my best friend has given me so such a great permission to expand my relationships and take pressure off my husband. Because it's funny in that moment, I didn't want Seamus there, which is odd. And like he stayed, we didn't have a daughter. We didn't have a kid at the time. So I'm not really sure why he didn't come. I was back in Texas where my mom was in the hospital and I don't know why he didn't come. It's interesting, but it's like, I would have not preferred to have you there. You just know the people that give you different comforts. And I guess it was a comfort for me to know that he was back home, our home, making sure stuff was handled there and still working. Cause I was there for, I was back in Texas for an extended period of time. And it was like, I'm more one of that comfort of, of you if, if I was going to need it, because it would have been the unspoken quietness that we could have had. And then it also would have been laughter like to, alleviate the pressure. Mm-hmm. And that's what a soul sister and that type of friend does. But the, my husband is not my best friend piece is the best thing that I, you have ever said, or I've ever heard for my marriage. And actually Seamus and I were in, we had gone to this like couples therapy a couple of years ago. We went one time because per like anything, I don't follow through on things, but it was a great one time. And I remember saying to her, cause I have, I, singing band. So I've got a lot of male friends and I was feeling really bad about the fact that I had maybe more fun with other people than Seamus or different kind of fun or however you want to put it and feeling really guilty about that. Why can I have these deep conversations with people like Lara and I can't have them with my husband? I was feeling terrible, like, like I was doing something wrong. Like I was Mm -hmm. cheating somehow. And I said that to her in front of him and he wasn't phased at all because he was like, I don't, I don't want to talk to you <laughs> anyway, <laughs> not really. But, um, and she was like, you know, like your husband should not be all your partner shouldn't be those things to you. It like gave me such permission. So that coupled with you saying it and then knowing 
what I get from you versus what I get from my husband is, and then seeing our husbands see that that's the, my favorite part of our husbands is how they see our relationship and how Seamus sees how I make you better and you make me better. And Jeff sees the same. And I think that is, I mean, that is undeniable. Mm -hmm. Not only feel it ourselves, but for your partner who you live with, you create a life with to also be like that person just makes you better. And we need that person around more. That's pretty special. And they even see like what we are bringing to one another th- that is not the same thing. That goes back to when we met at 18 years old, that we balance each other out in a certain way. So if I had had to come to the hospital bedside, you know, I, I have my personality and you have yours, like maybe I would have added comfort or thoughtfulness or could run errands or whatever would sort of need to be done. I'm that. When I needed someone, Jeff knew what you bring to my life is laughter. Queso in a dance party. I was in such a dark place that he was like, we need light. I need light in your eyes. And the person who brings that is Lindsay. And that's true. Like we sort of bring different things to one another. And it's just so special. Now I need the tissue. (laughs) I remember you came to the lake one time when I was having a hard time. And not not because of that, like y'all came to the lake for like fun, like you do, you just come to visit. And he was so happy. Jeff was so happy to see me dancing and laughing and whatever, because that had been missing in my life. And it doesn't mean I, I have other friends that make me laugh and whatever, but not like you do. And, you know, you can't cure someone's mental health thing with one weekend, but it definitely clears the fog a little bit. It reignites. Yeah. Yeah. Just to see the sun for a minute. I need more of that. I want more of that. It's been even darker than I thought, but I couldn't see that until I got a little bit of sun. Yeah. A good slap in the face. Yeah. You know, with my first book, I told a lot of like really personal stories and things that I had you know, that I'd held close to my heart for a really long time and hadn't shared publicly. And I was really glad to finally write about those things or whatever and share your stuff. And I had this very strange guilt. I I don't, I don't know that other writers think like this, but I had this very strange guilt at the end of share your stuff. And I'd really poured out my stuff into those pages that I actually didn't end up writing about some of the most important people in my life. Mostly, I didn't end up writing about some of the most important people in my life. And I felt like I wanted to tell everyone, and I'm talking about like you and Meg and a lot of people like Kara, I wrote about Kara a little bit and share stuff, but like my deepest friends, I wanted to end up being like, I'm sorry you're not in this book. I promise you're going to be in the next one. I already knew, even though I didn't know it was exactly going to be the Life Council, but I already knew I want to share my life. I really feel strongly about this. That's my whole message in sharing myself. And it is very strange to me that I've put out this book about sharing myself when I haven't shared some of the most important people. And so when it was time to write the Life Council, I was so excited to write about the people that mean the most to me. Like I was like, this is the best. (laughs) That oh, that's awesome. I can share about these people that I love so much and that are sort of in the background of a lot of these other stories I've told or, you know, and I haven't talked about them because they're not public figures. They're very private or I just haven't been able to share about how much these people mean to me. And now I can in this book. So I loved that. I got to write about you formally. I'm glad you waited till the second book because your writing got better. So you could talk about me even more like <laughs> in the second book. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Where do you see our friendship now? Is this, a, are we having a DTR, like a public DTR? <laughs> no, I'm but actually I do want to know where you see our friendship now, where you're a mom, yeah. we're in our forties, you know, our careers look different than they did five years ago, 10 years ago, for sure, 20 years ago. Like things about our lives have stayed the same. We're the same people. We have the same husbands, whatever. But a lot of our lives look different. Like, how do you see our friendship at this moment? I see our friendship right now as, and moving forward, as the most comfortable it's ever been. A lot of that is because I'm just comfortable in my place and I I trust our connection and where we are. There There was a lot of years when 
I was so admired your life and what you've become and what you've done from how I knew you from the start at 18 and, and then knowing who you were before 18, just because living with you, I heard all that. There was a time where this will make sense. I think jealous is not the right word, but you staying in LA and, and then having kids and, and getting to write, like I, there was something about it that I was like, man, I'm just, I was, I've been so proud of you and so excited for you to watch how much you've evolved that there was a part of me that wondered if I was equally evolving. And I think there was a couple of years where I would try too hard when we were together, like in conversations or something like, and sort of get nervous or, but because I didn't, I, w- I just wasn't maybe being authentic or, or living my own truth. I don't know how to put it, but I just feel, and that, w- that had nothing to do with anything you did or said or how you acted. It was my own, growth and watching, I think you evolve and wondering if I was, because you've, you've come so far in speaking your truth, sharing your stuff, obviously, and just really being firm in who you are. And I, I hadn't been comfortable doing that until very recently and didn't even realize it, that I was, I, and a lot of it was maybe the people pleasing. I'm not sure. But anyway, all that to be said, I feel so comfortable in our relationship that I can, even though I can always be who I was, that now like, as an adult and being a mom and knowing we're going to, we're going to continue to go through these things. I just, I just feel like this is the best comfortable. I'm just going to keep saying comfortable. Like I don't have to ever try with you. I've always known that, but I know it now more than ever. Like there's no judgment. I mean, listen, if you were going to judge me and I'm sure that you have, it's that the things have happened, (laughs) you know, that, and I'm just, I'm so grateful for a relationship that I can not see you in person and you show up for, I mean, you showed up here for when I adopted my baby and it was my 40th birthday. You were going to show up when my mom almost passed away. You're like, we're there for each other's special times. And I want to be there more for you than I even think I have in the past and not just be the, the fun girl. I want to grow the the deepness in our relationship on my side of things. Cause I feel like you've carried that for a long time and maybe that's the balance coming out too. So you bring the queso in the dance party. I'll bring the tissues and the support maybe for a little bit and balance that up. That will be a role reversal for sure. <laughs> Did any of that make sense though? Does that? Yeah, it does. But I don't feel that. I don't feel that. I don't feel a burden of having carried the depth of our friendship. I don't feel that. I feel like we have different strengths. They do balance one another all these years. I don't feel that there have been ups and downs in our actual friendship, but we've certainly had ups and downs in our lives. Yeah. That sort of makes you feel close or less close to people in general. And I can see that. So yeah, I, I'm hearing everything that you say. I definitely think comfortable is a word with us because I don't, have to be anything but myself with you. I will say I have felt that since we were 18. I mean, to me, that was the, has always been the magic. And mm-hmm. I and I know that you're on a different life journey, like that your path isn't about me, that that you figuring out the people pleasing and stuff is about, is, is you. Yeah. Like within you. But I think one of the reasons that that moment on the sidewalk freshman year, when you said, I'm Lindsay of Lindsay and Laura, and you're Laura of Lindsay and Laura, like claiming that at that moment, that's why it hit me. Because up to that point, even though we had only been, you know, it only been a few weeks of friendship, I had been being myself. So I was like, if she's claiming me mm, as I am, as I am, this is real. And I haven't ever felt unreal about it, has never felt false to me between us at any point. I've always felt like I could be me. In fact, I feel like in the times when we lived together, like LA times, I mean, you've seen the ugliest parts of me, the ugliest parts of me. Like when I wasn't being my, when I was being my worst self, I mean, you might've rolled your eyes or like been like, pull it together, but I never felt like you didn't love me or that we weren't still Lindsay and Laura. Like I've always felt that. I mean, what a gift that is. Yeah. I daydream of a day where you and I live in the same city again. And I just, I pray that, that one day that happens. This or something better. 
But I, I miss that because it, it's, you've gone through some crazy, I mean, we all have in our life, but you've gone through some pretty like traumatic stuff over years. And I hated not being there for, and not just like, Hey, I'll come on a plane and get you through that day. But like being able to be there physically through a whole season of something that's something that probably I get, I have some guilt for Not that I could, I mean, I, I didn't live there. Like I couldn't have done that, but maybe that was some sort of the guilt coming back subconsciously from, from leaving California. And, and I guess in my head, sometimes when you're not, when you don't get to be with that person day in, day out, or at least here and there on a weekly basis, especially through the difficult seasons, sometimes my own insecurities will question, well, does that make me less of a friend as, Who's, who's stepping into that role if I'm not there, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's when I say comfort because I know I know now that doesn't matter, that this is something lifelong, whether we only see each other once a year, if that. I mean, there's been times where maybe I didn't even see you for a year, mm-hmm. but it never felt like that. But now that I, now I know that's okay. And that's why I think it was really fun hearing the other people in your life too, knowing like, oh, cool, she's got she has other people to take care of her or to, to play that role. And when I'm there, I get to be that role, which is fun falling into all the things, but then having sort of the arch role over them all was really neat. But I just, I love you more than anything in the whole world for me. And I'm so honored to be a part of this book. It's so good. And I can't wait for people to read it. Well, I hope so. This or something better. This or something better. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening.